0: To support this podcast go to positive sarcasm.com donate any amount is appreciated positive sarcasm.com slash donate thank you and enjoy the program I'm trying to get crazy with this eh? don't you know I'm local? Local? Jay here positive sarcasm.com hit us up on social media facebook.com positive sarcasm instagram at positive underscore sarcasm. Twitter at POS Sarcasm. I got banned for a day, but I'm back. Oh, I got hiccups too, and they just won't go away. I don't know what happened. Guys, I'm a mess today. You know where my social media is. This is gonna be a horrible podcast. I'm just warning you right now. You can follow me on Twitch. If you're watching on Twitch right now, yeah, I got my normal coffee, but I've got the hiccups like something else. So this is gonna be grand ass awful. But Jay's here positive sarcasm.com you can hit the donate button at the positive sarcasm.com slash donate you can hit me up on social media facebook instagram and twitter i deleted my tumblr finally couldn't even go through the app though every time i would go to delete tumblr from my app it would say i can't do this at this time and i'm like okay so i went through the desktop like anybody uses like tumblr through their desktop and just freaking deleted it so I literally recorded the donate section about six six times and I hiccuped through every single one. And literally as I finished the last one, I, I did like a little Ew! right as I finish off. So, so this is going to be an absolute mess and I'm going to power through it. I'm going to do this whole goddamn episode sounding like a drunk, but I got the dark roast today, the Christmas blend. I hope you all had a nice Christmas. I don't know what the fuck is the matter with me. I I'm one of those people that I get so mad at hiccups because when you hiccup, if people, if you're around people, you know, you close your mouth and you just get that little, but the minute you yawn and you hiccup, it's like. You know, and everybody just gets startled, and they make comments, and you're just looking at them like, why don't you shut your fucking mouth? Okay? I get really mad if people make comments like, oh, you got the hiccups. <laughs> it's like, I just, I, I i get super nihilistic. I get real snarky. I get ultra vicious. So, do me a favor. Don't make comments about my physical appearance, because I work hard on it. So... Unless I ask you for it, but that's besides the point. Jesus, uh, this is off to a rough start. Anyways, Jay here, PositiveSarcasm.com. Follow me on social media. If you want to donate to this podcast, go to PositiveSarcasm.com slash donate. Hit the donate button. It goes right through the website. You can still donate through PayPal, but with all the stuff that's going on right now through uh, PayPal and Patreon, and subscribe star and MasterCard and all that other b s now that you can everybody's basically getting a direct to don a donate direct button on their websites now guys like dave Rubin, and Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris and stuff like that you know they're they're paving the way Jesus Christ so speaking of hiccups we're gonna talk about oral hygiene t- today we're gonna talk about my brief twitter Twitter ban and why it happened uh, They're going to ban me from anything. They should fucking ban me from Facebook. The only reason I'm on that platform is to shut my friggin' mother up. My high-anxiety Jewish mother! With two dogs and four chickens. Oh, that poor woman. We're going to talk about the Gatwick Airport incident with the drones, if there was any. Question mark. What else are we going to talk about? Uh, How I interact with people staying out of the people's way. Oh, that's... You can check out if you go if you go to twitch.tv/slash/puzzle/sarcasm one. You can look at my notes. My notes look like the diary of a madman. Probably because I am a madman. These hiccups aren't doing me justice either. Okay, you are my number one guy. Also saw a bunch of movies over this past week too. They finally get a chance, you know. Got that movie review section. It's got over four hundred movies and counting. Probably close to five hundred at this point. We can review Logan, Logan's Run, Justice League, uh, Ready Player One, and Shape of Water. Which was your Oscar? Your oof. Which was your Oscar winner this year? Last year? Doesn't matter. Not that the Oscars really matter. Hell, they may not even have a. They didn't even have a, a host this year. I mean, once they kicked... They didn't really kick Kevin Hart to the curb. So, oh my god, this is going to be a fantastically horrible episode. Oh my god, I hate hiccups. Hiccups are... I get so angry. I will... I'll have hiccups. If I get so mad, I'll go into the bathroom and I will punch myself in the stomach, closed-fisted. Until my hiccups go away, I start to bleed or I throw up. I am just so angry at myself it's like what is the matter with you why do you have hiccups you're so stupid you're so stupid and i'll just i will literally punch myself in the stomach because i'm so mad because obviously if you punch yourself in the gut that medically absolutely makes uh, uh uh hiccups go away right you know i don't know i honestly at this point everybody's like just you know drink water upside with your head upside down or Hold your breath. Hold my breath. I feel like I'm holding in fucking puke. All right. everybody's, everybody, oh, maybe we should startle you so you get scared. That'll make your hiccups go away. I feel like I have a piece of sausage stuck in my throat right now, and with the right hiccup or the right syllables attached to one another, I'm going to vomitate this freaking stuff, this hiccup, right onto one of my keyboards that I have in front of me. It's going to be an absolute mess. It's going to make great Twitter str- uh, twitch stream, but it's going to be a mess to clean up afterwards. I don't know about you guys, but I can't podcast when my keyboards are covered in vomit. But the good news is, I know the name of this episode is going to be now. It's definitely going to be hiccup related. So I hope you had an all nice, I hope you all I, I hope you all had a nice Christmas. If you had a good Hanukkah, that's great too. If you had a good Kwanzaa, or well, actually, Kwanzaa's today. Who fucking cares? I don't know anything about Kwanzaa. I don't want to know anything about Kwanzaa. I don't know anything about Boxing Day. All, all I know about it is it's Canadian. And it, at the end of the day, I don't want to learn about it. I don't really care. Um. So, yeah, that's uh, that's my thoughts on that. So, let's just move ahead with the rest of this shitty-ass podcast and my amazing hiccups. <sighs> well, my widow's peak is terrible right now. Okay. All right. Let's get into it because this is a train wreck that's that's crashing horribly. Okay. Um, okay. So let me go and look this up really quick because there was an incident. As you guys know, I am a drone flyer. I'll. I am gonna. I am gonna dork out at this point right now. So if you guys want to just tune out, you're more than welcome to. But there was an incident. Gatwick Airport. We're gonna go ahead and. Uh, we're going to go ahead and throw up, and then we're going to go ahead and talk about the Gatwick Drone Airport thing. So, uh, Gatwick Airport, a couple released, there, there was an incident at Gatwick Airport, which is over in, you know, Britain, it's a larger airport in the region, apparently there were some drones within a certain distance of Gatwick Airport, and the way the drones work, drones are built into... the all huge drones are attached to the are attached to GPS. So for example, if I have a drone before it takes off, it's calibrated and then it attaches itself to satellites in the sky. So that when it takes off and it hovers, it sits it sits positioned in the air and it doesn't move. That way it's easier to it's easier to track, it's easier to bring back if you lose it and wow. So yeah, drones are very very sophisticated, but they also have Uh, safety precautions built into the, the software and the firmware that get constantly updated with all kinds of faa regulations so for example if you go within one mile of an airport the drone if you fly one mile within an airport it will turn your drone around and fly it right back to you without your permission can you shut this off in some way, shape, or form. But at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, do I really want to be flying near an airport where a plane with 150, 200 people is taking off? No, you really don't. Unless you want to, put, you know, put pressure on the airport to shut down, but I don't think we're going to be doing that. So apparently somebody was, the there. apparently there were drone sightings near near Gatwick Airport, and due to the fact that there were drones there, they had to shut down the entire fucking airport. Everybody was stranded, and it was a total shit show. They arrested, they char- they they arrested one couple. They interviewed the shit out of them, detained them, and apparently released them. Now they're stating that there was, there may have not been any drones at all near Gatwick Air- Airport. So it was. <sighs> There's so much technology out there right now. There's private companies that will hire dro- drone operators to chase other drones off the private property. So for example, you see a drone that's going through your property. You can hire other drone operators to come in, fly their drones and chase other drones off the property. Because they could be they could be competition, they could be spies, they could be they could be th- thieves trying to survey your territory and figuring out how to steal it so they hire drone operators to either go over there and intersect them or just knock them out of the, out of the sky. you can't be going around with people you know armed personnel shooting drones out of the sky you can't be sending bullets in the freaking air that there's too, there's just too much shit to deal with if you go about that. there's jamming frequencies that uh, Israelis use with their, with their airports and their secure well of course Israelis they know a thing or two about keeping shit safe. But not all airports can afford that. It's a, a little more technical. But for the most part, is a drone, number one, is a drone dangerous if it hits an aircraft? Absolutely. Absolutely. It can do significant damage to pretty much any aircraft. It can down almost any aircraft. Um, sorry, it's a little tough to do with all these hiccups. Let me just see here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read over it really quick the drone that closed Gatwick Airport just before Christmas causing more than two days of intense travel disruption get the fuck out of here stupid ads <clears throat> may claim further victims 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 with the Sussex police in charge of finding the rogue operators under political pressure to step aside <clears throat> Local politicians have called the Sussex police to step down because their response was inadequate and calls that amid calls that the Metropolitan Police should take over the investigation. Um, okay, that's okay. So apparently somebody didn't do their job, blah, 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 blah. There was also a couple that was being investigated. They got released. And then they were saying um, that quite possibly there was no drones to begin with. to begin with. Can you track drones? No. No, you actually really can't. If I fly a drone, you can't track it, and a lot of the times you can't even see it. Uh, my drone, it, when it's a couple hundred feet away, you really can't even see it. It's like a speck in the sky. It's basically the size of a seagull. So at that point, there's nothing really you can do. I mean, first of all, if you see one, and then it runs and then it basically flies away. It's flying away at 30 miles per hour plus, okay? And the thing is, is I can... I can operate it from over a mile away. So I can be a mile away by the time it reaches the any within any vicinity of the airport. So that's another thing to take into account. Okay. And can you track it? No, you can't. They have radar jamming equipment and things like that. But like, like I said, that's technology that certain airports may not have. Do I support regulations when it comes to drones and airports? Absolutely, I do. Okay, I do believe in safe flying when it comes to airports because I know that I know the actual damage that can actually happen with one of with one of these things taking place. So, I absolutely do support regulations when it comes to airports. You shouldn't be flying within I'd say 2 to 3 miles of an actual airport. I'd say more the real regu- regulations are 5 miles, period. 5 miles period, cuz they have a because even especially larger airports, they're come when they're coming in for landing. They're coming in from several miles out. And it, they could already be at 3, 4, 500 feet, which is in drone territory. Drones can fly up to 1,600 feet, but legally they can't go any higher than 400. And the closer they get to an airport, the lower their ceiling actually gets. So, for example, if you're within 3 miles of an airport and your are FAA 107 regulated, you have an automated uh, ceiling of about 300 feet. And then it gets lower and lower and lower. Depending upon what town you're in. If it's New York city, then it's like a hundred feet tops. If it's, you know, Man- Manchester, New Hampshire, it's two hundred fifty, three hundred, 300, depending upon where you're flying. They have each block. You can go on, there's a program. There's an app called air maps and it attaches to your DJI fan. It's to your DJI drone app. So you put the two together and it can literally tell you what, where you're flying, how you can, how you can let people know that you're flying. You can get authorization through it. It, it's very it's very very well uh laid out. You can check it out. It's called air maps. It's important if you're going to be if you're going to be flying, especially in the future, and your drone has to be registered. So keep keep that in mind. But luckily registration only costs 5 bucks. Um so with this whole Gatwick airport thing, it's like okay, they made a whole big deal out of something that may not even possibly happen. If you are um I mean, you should have security, and they're they're, they're you should have, have hired security. Their job is to strictly search. Cert- search for drones but like i said if you're within one mile of an airport dji phantom drones not only will they will not fly within one mile of an airport they won't even take off and on the actual app it'll show you a big red circle and if you're within that red circle it won't even let your drone take off at all you'll have to move it outside the red circle and then even if you do ta- do that and then take off it still won't allow it to fly back within that red circle okay there's there is a lot of tech this this technology for the most part is relatively safe can, can it be abused can it be hacked can it be manipulated just yes just like anything else um but i think at at this point drones and guns are kind of when it comes to like first second Amendment. like we had the second amendment the second amendment prote- protects weapons pr- protects guns it doesn't protect drones um but I think at this point it, drones are a part of our part of our culture now and they need to they need to be still allowed to be used by civilians by hobbyists and by business and people who own small businesses. I think they should be allowed. But when protected airspaces like uh like like Mount like Manhattan or Washington DC I can completely understand where for safety purposes you'd prefer not to have them around. I get it. I understand. But anytime I see one of these little, it, it, one of these little articles pop up about drone stuff, I get so mad. It annoys the piss out of me, whether it happened or not. I get so mad. Uh, I get I get so freaking mad. Wondering, you know, what's going to happen next? Who's going to complain? And what's going? And where is this whole process going to lead to? Because every time one of these issues happens. It goes to, you know it gets the FAA sees it new legislation pops up, pops up and then also the fact that people who have no experience, just like with any other topic, people with no experience make the most noise and then that's where the legislation comes from. Thankfully we have people like the, uh, the Association for Model Aircraft who, who go out of their way to educate people on, on on drones and RC planes and all that other shit and they're the only ones on drone pilots side they're the only ones with a voice in Congress. So I hope to see more of uh, more cooperation in the future. But me, I'm a little nihilistic. I'm a little skeptic. So if you guys want to check it out, just go. You can Google Gatwick Airport. There's like at least a dozen articles out there about this incident. It was all over major news. It was all over Twitter. And now apparently, at this, what we know right now is there may not even be a. Uh, there wasn't even a drone sighting to begin with. There may not even have been a drone in the area. And that was a rep from Gatwick Airport stating that. So let's hope that the. Uh, buzz around this dies down and nothing comes about it, and thankfully it was in another country, a shitty one at that. Comment from uh, Twitch live stream, uh, Rokinos. Not gonna lie, I'm here to watch. I'm here to watch you struggle with these hiccups. Well, thank you. I appreciate you watching me struggle right now because I gotta tell you, it does. It feels like a giant bubble right now in my chest, and uh, it's it's. It, it it sucks right now. It's killing my whole flow right now. I got a ton of shit on this piece of paper here that I want to run. I want to run through. And every time I go to say something, it's like, oh, and another thing, you know. And I just my face contorts like I'm having a stroke. Um, it's an absolute nightmare to deal with this. But champions persevere. So you can call me a winner. So thank you for the comment, RC Cojones, whatever the hell your Twitter stream name is. I appreciate the love. Are we recording? Okay, we're gonna be recording. All right. Well, that shit show took up about nineteen minutes. Oh, I'm dying. Okay, let's get to the fucking movie reviews here because I watched some. I watched a huge array of movie reviews. Yeah, I watched movie reviews. That's what I did. No, I watched movies. Fucking dork. Um, I didn't watch any on Christmas. Uh, I woke up with a cigar hangover. Um and then went up to some family stuff, and, yeah. Ate like a fat piece of shit, and um, hence now I'm here. My stomach hurts, my gut hurts. Thank you for, haha, you're powering through just fine. Thanks, Rock. Rock! It's the Rock! Um, so, alright. Let's, let's start with a good one. Let's start with Ready Player One. Ready Player One came out earlier this year. It's a 2018 release. Uh, it's directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, the kid from Mud was in it. <laughs> That's all I know about it. 2010 release. Basically, it's, a, it's about a, dysto- a kid who lives in a dystopian section of Cleveland, even though K- K- Cleveland, well, not Cleveland, Columbus. Columbus? Yeah. Well, Cleveland already looks dystopian anyway, so they didn't have to do too much for the set. Um, and it, it all takes place in a, most of it takes place in a virtual world called, uh, called The Oasis. Where everybody basically, you know, it's the simulation. Basically, everybody goes in the Matrix, pretends to look cool, and that's how they gain notoriety points and money and things like that. And the um, the, the person who created the Oasis dies and leaves the keys to the kingdom. So, obviously, there's a scramble for it, and this movie takes place during that scramble. Now, this movie has a lot of CGI in it. There's a, lot of char- There's a lot of old school. Like, basically, Steven Spielberg went back into the 1980s, the 1970s, and he said, okay, everybody loved that movie, everybody loved that movie, and everybody loved that movie. So we're going to take all those things from, from those eras, you know, Back to the Future, The Iron Giant, World of Warcraft, just anything that any, any pop culture references you could possibly think of. Shit, I think I saw fucking Pee Wee Herman in there for all I know. And he takes them and brings them all back for this movie to be used in any way, shape, or form. And you see all these huge, you know, pop culture references just come flying in out of nowhere. And the movie kind of just builds up. Now, could it have been a better movie? But I I think, yeah. But the fact is, is that everybody, this movie was so carefully it it didn't seem like there was any risks taken when making this movie. I think it was just let's just take all the stuff that everybody's familiar with, put it together in a nice little, a nice safe storyline to a strong conclusion. So Spielberg played it safe. Which if he if he was going to do that, he's going to do a good job. But he didn't definitely he definitely didn't take any risks. But because he played to our heartstrings of things that we loved back in the eighties, you knew you were going to get you know, a lot of people to like this movie. And I thought the movie was really, really good. The CGI was where it should be as far as you you want it to be you don't want it to be perfect you want it to be to the point where you know that they're within a simulation so you can tell between the two the acting was relatively good the beginning the first five minutes was a little too caddyshacky a little too stumbly out of the gate where it shows the stacks of all the trailer parks sitting on top of one another and him going up the stairs and downstairs and everybody's in you know got their their Google glasses on basically playing this fucking simulator and it just it it didn't feel real, but once it got past that part, it kind of it kind of got its legs under it and started moving along fine. And then it gets right into it. It gets right into the plot of the movie. You start to meet all the characters, and all the actual characters are great. They're not too cheesy. They're all really likable characters. You're in. There's no. Uh, there's nothing that makes you hate the movie like, you know, this is too social justice or that's too cheesy or that doesn't look real or that doesn't seem real. It has all the right it, – it, it plays all the right games for you to be like, I love this, I love this, I love this. And then you get to the end and you actually – at the end of the day, I want to be entertained. I want the movie to have replay value. I want to be satisfied at the end of the movie. I, I, and I, I I want that I want the feel of the movie to feel like you put all your effort into it. You didn't spare any expense. You didn't cut any budget. You didn't get shitty characters. You didn't try to preach a narrative, which is a big thing nowadays, especially with the fucking latest Star Wars movie. I got to get off of that. I got to calm down. got to calm down. And then it leads to a successful conclusion. I think that Ready Player One, I gave it a three out of five stars, which means it's a total recommended. It should be. You should see it. Um, if you didn't see it in the theaters, um, that's okay. It's definitely got its replay value on even a small TV. It definitely has a lot of charm to it. And I, I love the fact that he brought back Back to the Future. He used the car from Back to the Future, the DeLorean, as basically one of the main you know non-living characters. Uh, the Iron Giant gets some love. Uh, some other characters get some love. Oh, the Halo. Ha- Master Chief gets a little love in there, too, from uh, from Halo. But overall, I just, I enjoyed that movie. It was a great sci-fi flick. There was a, a little bit of twists and turns. The romantic duo thingy, that yeah, was kind of in there. Girl, you know, guy meets girl, whatever, all that bullshit. That's in there too. You know, it's a great nerd flick. I think everybody would love it. It's a good family movie overall. Um, there's not too much stuff that you go, ooh, you know. But it didn't definitely didn't take any risks. It didn't wow me, but I, I did love it. So, Uh, Absolutely, I totally recommend uh, Ready Player One. Hey, my hiccups kind of went away. It's all right, they'll be back in a minute. So, Ready Player One, three out of five stars. Absolutely recommend it. Totally check it out. So, that was binge movie, binge watch movie number one. Number two, I went back in time. I checked out Logan's Run. Logan's Run, 1976. Uh... Michael York. If you don't know who Michael York is, remember the movie Austin Powers? The the guy who brings back Austin and unfreezes him? Hello, Austin! His commander-in-chief, whatever. That's Michael York. His big movie was a movie back in 1976 called... Logan's Run it's another dystopian movie where this society that lives in a big crystal ball basically and the setup is really interesting back then they used like miniature models to show the cars going by and shit it looks very fraggle rockish Uh, the setup is very much like that but everybody lives in this little basically it's like a giant pleasure city but nobody lives past the age of 30 so basically what they do is to maintain sustainability they have this this ceremony called the carousel where at when you reach 30 the little palm of your hand has a crystal ball a little crystal nugget on it and the nugget turns like red uh red and then you got to go through the carousel because you're gonna it's like a quasi-religious ceremony you're gonna be renewed and everybody chants renewed so you get dressed in white and red and you go into the little thing and it sends you up into the air and you get quote renewed but what you really got what you really get is fucking set on fire. You burst into flames in front of everybody. And everybody starts clapping. It's like, oh, they got renewed. Nobody gets renewed. Nobody gets renewed. Everybody dies. And some people find out that you're not going to get renewed. They're not going to get renewed. So what they do is they basically they try to flee the city. They're called runners. There is a crew of policemen. They're called sandmen. Their job is to terminate runners. Their job is to stop runners. Okay, Michael York plays the Sandman. And during and he through in the very beginning of the movie, he meets up with somebody who's considering running. Who and and then from there he learns that his time is coming to an end too. And he's going to going to going to have to go through renewal through the carousel. But he realizes and he finds out that he's not going to get renewed. He's basically just going to get fried. So what he does is he decides he's going to run too. So he finds his way out to a, he's going to search for a place called Sanctuary where apparently everybody escapes. And throughout this movie, you basically just see them trying to find it. Um, But it takes a little bit, it has a a couple twists and turns. And it definitely, as far as the movie, has the movie aged? Yeah, it's aged aged a shit ton. Okay, this movie was 1976. All right, this is one year before Star Wars came out. Um but as far as the setup, the set, the set was very um it had that typical dystopian look where there was nothing outside, everything was on the inside, everything was really clean, everybody lived lived for the life of pleasure. Um and it definitely had a, a hallucinogenic late seventies type of style to it with with the music and some of the scenes. Uh it's slightly graphic for its for its um I mean, there's there's definitely some nudity in there, but different time. But I found it to be rather enjoyable as far as the plot line and the concept. It was quite, you can run with it. Um, as, far, as far as the special effects, not that great. Some of the acting, not that good. Its runtime could have been a little bit shorter, but overall, I actually enjoyed the movie to go back in time, check out something that was big for back in the day, because, to, to, first of all, to make the carousel scene, basically what they do is in the carousel scene they all rise up and when they get to the top, they basically get lit burst into flames. In that in that section, they had to shoot the whole scene upside down. So they had to build they had to build the, the crystal platform on the bottom. And then they what they did was they had to put everybody on on wires. But what was happening is when everybody started spinning on these wires, they all got entangled up. So people could possibly get hurt or fall or whatever. So they had to set up these wires in such a way so that nobody would get tangled up with one another. So when they floated up, you know, quote, floated up in the air, that they wouldn't get tangled up and it looked like they were just levitating towards the top before they were about to get renewed. So they had to deal with that. So they then then filmed it all upside down and then in post-production gave you that, you know, put the effect on you. But the look of everything outside the actual uh, dystopian city, or whatever you want to call it, uh, looked great. So, and as far as like the actual layout, like there was the special effects of the city was actually all props. It was all micro props. So when you see like their little the little cars going the little Elon Musk uh, cars in the tubes, um, talk about foreshadowing! It's all in these tiny little. little micro machine type of layout and so it was pretty cool. You could definitely tell especially by today's standards that it was just a micro version of everything. It was a, it was not scale. But for, for its concept for its originality and the fact that they're probably going to remake this movie it's currently in development they just got another they just hired another producer or another writer to work on this film. so you may actually see a remake of Logan's run coming up in the next I'd say three years if they continue to get the funding and get additional writers and stuff like that and as long as they don't fuck it up because a lot of movies are getting fucked up lately. Um, so it carried itself well enough for me to give it three stars thankfully so logan's run 1976 uh check it out michael york um i i've been dying to see that movie for a really long time and i finally got a chance to sit down and watch it it's about 120 minutes long um they could have chopped it down an extra 10 minutes but overall good job um let's see so we talked about ready player one we talked about logan's run um and then of course we also had the shape of water shape of water was some what the hell was a shape of water Shaper Water was basically, it was the Oscar winner. It won Best Picture last year. And it's basically about this facility where this um, this sex-deprived, sex-deprived female mute, she works there as a cleaning lady every day, and then they bring in this fish slash, this fish hybrid uh, uh, test tube thing that they found in South America. They bring this human fish in. She falls in love with it. They're gonna kill it for scientific purposes, and she wants to get it out of there. Halfway through it, she you know, as Brent Ernst the comedian Brent Ernst says, you know, she clips the fish. She basically, you know, she fucks the fish in her bathroom. Um, they get befri- and then she tried, you know, they make an escape for it. Um, I tried to look at this movie from a cinematographer's perspective. I wanted to see how Guillermo del Toro was going to display the movie, the colors he was going to use and how the characters were going to interact with the, with, the, with the actual setup of the movie. And that's what I was kind of looking for because the actual movie for me was is rather slow, p- slow paced. Um, it took time, and it, it, it's it's it was set up in this in the '60s. So there's a lot of there was the the, the overtones. There was racial overtones uh, in the movie, but they kind of they kind of peaked very quickly and came down very quickly. As far as Guillermo del Toro definitely didn't press too much on the whole diversity or systemic whatever he you know cuz that when you push too hard on that in a movie and you put the, push that narrative on people they get turned they they identify it if you try to push a, a, an agenda in a movie people will automatically pip, pick up on it and respond to it and if you do it too much they will shut they'll, they'll turn the mo- they'll turn off right away in that movie so you can't be doing that but he kind of he already played that card with the fact that the fish was getting treated like shit. And then with the racial and the gay overtones because the supporting character in the movie, Richard, whatever his name is, he is actually uh he's like a he's a he's a, he's an artist, but he's also gay. But you actually kind of don't know about that until about mm, halfway during the movie and it plays in with some of the racial overtones too in the diner scene. But it kind of goes away and then it gets back to focusing on okay, let's go rescue fish. Let's go rescue fish boy and let's get him out of here um the girl first of all the chick who plays the main character she's fantastic she's a sweetheart she's very good stays in character the whole time michael shannon plays an asshole per usual he played an asshole in man of steel he played an asshole in the Iceman. man he played he plays an asshole here he just kind of has that asshole face um so yeah kudos to michael shannon for playing an asshole again um as far as the over as far as the look of the movie I didn't realize that nobody know, a lot of people I talked to didn't notice. I go, did you notice that the whole movie is basically green? Is shot in a green filter. Everything's green. Her 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 work outfit's green. The wall obviously the water's green. The, the 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 color of the walls, the paint on the walls are green. The car that the Cadillac that he buys in the movie is teal, which is green, but he makes mention of that. The the fish, of course, is green. Everything's green. So I noticed that everything has a beige and teal The only thing that's not green Is the red uh, jacket That she wears I think in two sections of the movie The only time things are red Is when her jacket's red Or when there's blood But besides that everything else is green Very interesting um, Observation that I made I, I couldn't figure out why that is But It definitely was a oops, sorry. It definitely was a factor In the movie so. So in the movie in general, the acting was great. The cinematography, I I guess was pretty good. I don't know, I thought it was pretty basic. Um special effects were done. The fish wasn't too ridiculous. It wasn't too aggressive uh overall. I think it was a nice movie. It was definitely it, it, they played it safe in some regards. Um, but this chick I mean at at the end of the day when you boil it down to it's basic science the chick was just looking to get laid she needed ass she was sex deprived she's finger banging herself every single every single morning while she's boiling eggs and then she goes to work and it just plays out every single day exactly the same way like Groundhog's Day then she meets the fish fucks the fish and runs away with the fish happy ending hooray and that's that's the shape of water (laughs) That's The Shape of Water. So, um, Good movie. Maybe a nice date movie in some way, shape, or form. I give it three out of five stars. Uh, Definitely check that out. Not a movie you needed to see in theaters. A movie you can definitely check out on Netflix. Uh, It's currently on Amazon Prime right now. Speaking of Amazon Prime, I can't wait for the Grand Tour to come back. January 19th. Check that out. Okay. Last movie review I want to talk about. This one is gonna hurt. This is a movie I boycotted before it even came out. This was the Justice League. Alright. We'll start from the beginning. When Man of Steel came out, when when actually when they debuted the trailer for Man of Steel, I was pumped. Me and Mark, who was the original member of this podcast back in twenty fourteen uh we were so pumped we analyzed the shit out of that trailer for man of steel we loved henry Cavill or cavill we loved all the characters we we were pumped about the movie we loved the movie great and then uh batman versus superman came out i didn't go and see it i wasn't going to go see it i was pissed off that they hired ben affleck because once you hire Ben Affleck, it's like, first of all, at that point, nobody was liking Ben Affleck because he was already, um, he I think this was around the time that he called Sam Harris a racist, which is a very, very poor decision for Ben Affleck. He was also banging his nanny at the time, so Jennifer Gardner was not a big fan of him as well. So what's they're like, fuck it, let's just fill Ben Affleck full of ster- steroids and make him Batman. But we already just, we just went through three rounds of freaking, uh, of... Uh, uh, of zippy and christopher nolan and 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 uh han zimmer what the hell's his name christian bale we, went, we just went through three we just went through a whole trilogy of batman and now you're just gonna shove a new one in our faces it's like you don't understand we take we're very sensitive when it comes to who plays batman all right we're almost more sensitive than who plays james bond okay way more sensitive so you're just gonna take Bat Beer, just gonna take Ben Affleck, and you're gonna stick him in a bat suit and expect us to fucking like it? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so. There, there, buddy boy. Um, so when it came to Batman vs Superman, actually not a bad movie. It could have been better, but overall, Batman vs Superman was actually a good movie. It just wasn't great. But it was definitely better than what I watched yesterday. Wonder Woman was great. Wonder Woman had a, a first slow hour. But overall, Wonder Woman was a real good movie. I enjoyed the hell out of it. The scene where she comes out of the trenches uh, completely in her battle armor, freaking awesome. Absolutely loved Wonder Woman. That was so good. Enjoyed it. Patty Jenkins, great director. Uh, Wonder Woman, her the way she was portrayed, her acting in the whole movie was fantastic. But when you take Henry Cavill and you take Ben Affleck and then you take Gal Gadot and you stick him in Justice League and then you add on... Uh, freaking Cyborg Boy and, and The Flash Who you haven't even met at this point And Aquaman Who you also haven't met either And you just take these characters And you autom- you automatically expect us to like them And this movie had a lot of Pre-production problems as well Due to a death in the family Director Zack Snyder had to step away He brought in director Joss Whedon um, From the Marvel's of The Avengers The first Avengers Not the other ones brought him in to oversee the finishing, uh, finishing out the directing of the rest of it. And I don't know, I can't speak for what happened from what Zack Snyder wanted to see to what Joss Whedon wanted to see. And I know that Christopher Nolan, who directed the Bat, the, the Dark Knight trilogy, was also a, in the production role. He was somewhere in the credits there. But when it comes to the all the characters every single character the ones you've seen in their solo movies and the ones that you've and the ones that are being introduced in in the justice league not the same characters you don't love any of them you have no attachments to any of them and their acting was even worse so their acting sucked they weren't charismatic you weren't in love with the characters and then trying to bring in all the backstories of the new characters on top of that, who you could give two fucks less about. And then on top of that, you're going to give us a backstory, you know, the same bullshit backstory. Oh, the mother boxes. If you put them together, they turn into one giant box and the box fucking, you know, camel toes the whole universe. It's like, really? Really? I, I don't think so. First of all, nobody gives a shit about mother boxes. All right. And then on top of that, you're also going to happen, you're also, I'm going to get to your comment in a second there, Rocco. Um, on top of that, the villain, Steppenwolf, was a throwaway. He was like the bebop and rock steady of fucking villains. He was so useless and so non-frightening, and he had no build up whatsoever. You knew nothing about him. He just showed up and he's like, okay, I'm going to take over the world with my giant axe. It's like, go fuck yourself. He was completely useless. He got it, End. he was getting his ass kicked from the very beginning. He got smacked around by the Amazon chicks. He got smacked, I think even the Flash punched him in the face, but he was not powerful at all. He was just powerful enough to kick everybody in the Justice League's ass until Superman showed up. But Superman doesn't show up until all the way at the end, and when he does show up, he basically flies away for like an hour and talks to himself in the middle of a fucking dairy, uh, cornfield um, with his girlfriend who, you know, probably i think i think she confesses that she got meat plowed while he was dead so apparently while he's dead she's getting a train run on her what the hell's her name who cares yeah she's getting a fucking she's getting you know getting invaded by some by some guy she met on tinder while superman's fucking dead and buried all right so she's like oh superman's oh yay i'm so glad you're back uh i should get tested um and so she's like, "Well, I guess I'll divert attention from all of that. Bring in, uh, bring in her, bring, bring in you know Superman's mom, and hooray! Well, you're back. Okay, let's save the farm and go beat up Steppenwolf. So he comes in, beats the shit out of Steppenwolf, smacks him around uh, like a 1930s hooker, and that's it. That's the end of the movie. The comedy is horrible. The plot line moves horribly. These insect bugs that nobody gives a fuck about. Okay." um it just it, i was so what are you what are you saying Rocco quotes the worst part about batman versus superman was fucking jesse heisenberg shitting all over the lex Luthor character trying to be heath ledger's joker hmm. okay yeah you know what i will respond to that so okay as far as heath led we'll go we'll backtrack As far as Heath Ledger's Joker, all right, you have to take into account that Heath Ledger's Joker. Nobody, there really, you really can't compete with that. There are certain villains in movies that, when you break it down, you really can't. Don't try to bet. Don't try to be better than them. Like for example, when you have Skyfall, the villain from Skyfall is one of those villains that. You'll never forget. Like, you can't, you can't top that villain. Like, Bane will never be a bigger deal than the Joker. And the 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 villain from some of the Bond movies or, like, No Country for Old Men, those types of villains, you just can't top those. Don't try to replace them. Don't try to outdo them. Now, remember, Jesse Eisenberg is just trying to be Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor is a sociopathic, maniacal businessman with no rules who kind of just wants to be, like... Um, like the villain from Tomorrow 007's Tomorrow Never Dies. He wants to just be able to do whatever he wants and go wherever he wants. Um, he just has that thirst for power. Now, can Jesse Eisenberg's character, Lex Luthor, can he have some actual redeemable value if there happens to be any future to the DC universe? Which I don't think there's going to be. Because I, from what I understand, Henry Cavill has walked away from the Superman part. He just walked away. He said, fuck this shit. It's not worth it. Because Justice League bombed, can Jesse Eisenberg's character be useful in some way, shape, or form and actually become a good character? Yeah, but in the for the most part, Lex Luthor in the comic books, Lex Luthor was kind of a big deal. He was a little bit stronger, a little more maniacal. He had a little more power to him. But in the in the Christopher Reeve's version of Superman, um, he was just he was a bit of a wimp, and not and that wasn't the actor uh, Gene not Gene Simmons, Gene Hackman. It wasn't Gene Hackman's fault. It was just the writing. It's the writing of the movie and how they want Lex Luthor to be betrayed. So at the end of the day, remember, Lex Luthor has no powers. The only power he has is that he's rich. He's rich and he's charismatic. That's all he has, okay? And anything that Lex Luthor can put out there is immediately going to be, t- like he put out, he made Doomsday, Doomsday got tossed aside. That was the one thing that annoyed me about Doomsday. Doomsday is the one thing that should have been much bigger, it should have been built up even more, but Doomsday was in, Doomsday was out. But you have to understand, Doomsday is the one who killed Superman. He killed Superman. And then boom, he's out, he's gone. Just completely gone and forgotten about. So, they rushed, they rushed through it and it seems like they really did, it, it's just, too choppy, but understanding. I do understand your point. Where it's I've never really fully overall. I've never been a huge fan of, fan of the Lex Luthor character. I don't necessarily think it's Jesse Eisen, Jesse Eisenberg. Right? Yeah. I don't think it's necessarily Jesse Eisenberg's fault. He just tried. To, he he wanted a challenging role, and I think that or the role of trying to make uh Lex Luthor a convincing character is a difficult task in general. Now, you could obviously throw me a, a, um, a thought on who you think maybe should have replaced him, but I generally do not try to go after the actor who plays the role. I try to go after, because let's face it, he's just trying to portray the role the best he can. Now, you know that there are, there's, there's plots, there's plot that he has to follow, there's script that he has to follow, and generally you, for the most part, you don't get to play with that script. You have you have the lines that you have to play, w- play within and then that's it. But there are exceptions to the rule where people do steal the role. Like, for example, Heath Ledger playing the Joker. Um, uh, uh, Marlon Brando, when he was in Apocalypse Now, he took the whole script and he says, nah, I'm just going to mumble this whole damn thing. So, those are my things on that. I don't know what they're going to do with Eisenberg after that. If they just make him all powerful and surrounded by his own, you know, like make him like a uh, a Tony Stark without the suit, then maybe, just maybe, he could be of some use. Maybe he could be powerful enough of a villain with no power. And basically he just runs with money and influence. Uh, Rocco Reese, uh, Rocco sends a message. Lex is like a scary, stoic, Quina of. Quiet, kind of powerful Jesse played him like a awkward, blubbering idiot. Hmm. I think he played him more like a serial killer, like a pop, like a bubblegum pop serial killer. I think that's one way to think about it. Uh, He also comments, but yeah, they were supposed to do the Doomsday what DC did successfully with Thanos. They never did that though. See the yes, in my opinion, well the thing was with Doomsday, Doomsday was just a creature. For the most part. Yeah, he was he was uh his DNA comes from Z- General Zod and all that jazz, but he never really they couldn't build him up like Thanos. Uh because Thanos was an actual person was an actual being. He was a Titan, he was a god. He could talk. He had words. He had a brain. So they built him up from the very beginning. They built Thanos up from the very beginning. Even if you were not if you were a novice to Marvel comics, you from the very beginning saw the the end credits and you started to realize who Thanos was and you knew that this dude when he appeared at pretty much at the end of every Marvel movie and some of the Guardians movies, you realized, "Oh shit, this dude is going to fuck shit up when he shows up." And when Thanos finally did show up, he did exactly what you were expecting him to do. He broke dude's necks. He threw a bitch off a cliff. He snapped his fingers and nuked half the planet. So you were built up for Thanos' character. You weren't built up for Doomsday's character. But here's the thing. With Doomsday's character, how many episodes did you have between, like, for example, with Marvel, you had, like, ten movies between the beginning and then with in, in, you know, Infinity War. So you had all the you had that all that time to wait and build your, your emotions up for Thanos. Whereas you had Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman. Boom, done. There's and next thing you know, there's Doomsday. And the problem with the problem with the DC universe is like the characters are for the most part less charismatic, weaker, more black and white. The, what they did and even and let's get even more into it. The Dark Knight trilogy was not without flaws. Okay? The combination of Zack Snyder and Christopher Nolan, there's there's very key things here. If you notice in Batman Begins, which is the tr- beginning of the Dark Knight trilogy, Batman Begins, the fight sequences are tighter, shot closer in, faster, the choreography's better. In the Dark Knight, the fight scenes are horrible, slow, predictable, boring. There's no... There's no fluidity to it because with the fact is is that Batman is supposed to be faster. He's supposed to come out of nowhere. He doesn't just dro- he shouldn't just drop in the middle of ten guys and then kicks one dude's ass and another guy steps in kicks another dude's ass. They're all standing there with fucking AK-47s. Okay, they could have just shot Batman's ass and that would have been the end of it. It's so the audience is the you they still at times take the audience for granted and think the audience is stupid. The audience is much smarter than that nowadays. And that's what Christopher Nolan is not very good at when it comes to fight scenes. He got it. He figured it out somewhat in Batman Begins, but he completely failed in The Dark Knight and made it even worse in The Dark Knight Rises with those choreographed fight scenes. They were terrible. They were terrible. But what Zack Snyder is able to do, Zack Snyder is a master with fight scenes. He, he made it very clear. With, he set the precedent in 300. He did a very good job in 300. In Watchmen, he did a better job as well. 300: Rise of an Empire took basically a lot of its cues from 300, and Rise of an Empire was almost as good as 300. I enjoyed the hell out of it personally. So that Zack Snyder effect plays a huge role in the choreography of fighting in movies. And if Zack Snyder would have, you know, helped out a little bit with the Dark Knight series, I think he would have. I think the Dark Knight trilogy overall would have been something completely more epic than it actually was. I think it kind of came to a, a stuttering end with The Dark Knight Rises which kind of <sighs> I definitely got my I definitely got some negative things to say about it. But that being said, the the villain in The Dark Knight, the Joker is an all-time is an all-time classic villain. Christian Bale as Batman is is like number one or number two as far as overall Batman okay you you can you can make an argument absolutely for Michael Keaton Michael Keaton in the first movie he's a great Batman definitely a great Batman and could probably still play Batman today Ben Affleck I don't know lost cause lost cause so those are my thoughts on that I get what you're saying about jesse eisenberg he you can uh, sometimes you take it you take a certain actor and you stick him in a part and you're you're like you stick him in a role and everybody goes what the fuck is he doing there that doesn't really make any sense um so yeah i i get what you're saying about jesse eisenberg i think he's a great actor overall i just don't know who else you would put in that role but i also don't know who else you would Um. how else you would portray lex luthor I just i don't he's he's got a little bit of you could make make him out to be more like a um who's that who's the ceo of the of of um the w w e more like him vince mcMahon you can make him be more to like like that but I just don't know what you would do overall with that character so I would like more you can you can always send me your thoughts and your opinions on Overall villains, of, I mean, we can do top 10 villains of all time or whatever, or the top 10 worst villains of all time, but okay, I'm going to tell you flat out, my opinion, my overall synopsis, because we're going to come to a close in a few minutes, I, I think, um, unless we have additional Q&A, the Justice League, I saw a bad movie last year, or this year, it was called Transformers 5, it was the last night, it was the worst Transformers I've ever seen, period, it's the worst one, okay. I enjoyed one, I enjoyed two. Who's too old? Let me know who's too old. Wait, speaking of Heisenberg, I think all all the way Walt is... Wait, Walter White? Huh. Uh, he is too old, but I think you your thought on how he played the character is pretty good. So I think maybe you could have found somebody who was... Well, the guy who's playing, the guy who's in that movie right now, uh, Glass, who is in the movie Wanted, who plays the uh, the sociopath, the the, the uh, paranoid schizophrenic uh, villain, he would probably be a good, uh, he'd probably be good. But then again, he's already playing that bald-headed character who's all jacked out of his face. So, I don't know. We'd have to discuss that further at another time. Um, but he would be, he'd be a good, he's a good villain. You can tell that he's going to be a good villain already. I don't know what, would yeah, Jesse Eisenberg definitely feels like a, um. He feels like the Kylo Ren of of villains. And Kylo Ren is basically like a social justice warrior bitch version of Darth Vader, okay? He's just like, meh, I didn't get what I wanted. They didn't send me the codes. I'm gonna, you know, take my helmet off and smash this control panel because I'm a little biatch. And then he gets his ass kicked by what's-her-face. She leaves his stupid ass on the planet like a fucking, like a speed date gone wrong. She takes off and he whines for the rest of the movie. All right, I can't go in. I'm sorry, I can't go into to, to Star Wars movies. I can't do it. All right, I've been yelled at way too much. Um, Justice League overall, though, um, it, it it would I could argue that it was worse than Transformers Five. I'd say it quite possibly could be one of the worst movies of 2017. It, I think this is the year it came out. Yeah, it's so bad. The reason it's so bad. Is because you had a Man of Steel was a good movie. It, it scored in the high fifties on Rotten Tomatoes, which is actually pretty good. So it scored in the high fifties on Rotten Tomatoes. It was it had Batman versus Superman was already done with, so you go you already learned how you fucked up in some ways. Okay, so now you know what not to do. And then Wonder Woman comes out and blows everybody away. You get a great director in Patty Jenkins. You have a great actress in in um, in Gal Gadot. The, everybody was hoping for a good Wonder Woman they got it they had a great supporting character in uh Zach or Chris Pine from the start the from the Star Wars movies which are no long, which are now defunct so you have all these great characters and a great movie and a great rebound from Batman versus Superman and now you're going into the Justice League okay so you take all that momentum you put a 250 to 300 million dollar production budget behind it And this is what you come up with. This steaming pile of third grade CGI bullshit. Where you don't care about the characters. You don't care about the plot. The movie's not funny. The action's boring. Boring. One thing in a comic book action movie, the action itself should never be boring. The jokes fall flat. The movie runs too long. You don't care about the villain at all. You're like you look at the villain and go, "Bitch, I can whoop his ass." This movie and if you go to positive sarcasm.com, you check out the movie review section, you can go to my five, you can you go right to movie reviews. You'll see how I rate my movies. It's got a five-star rating system and it's it's a little different, but overall, you get the gist of how I rate movies from 1 to 5. And if I give a movie a 1 star, there's no negotiation on it. So if I give a movie a 1 star rating, you shouldn't even see it two stars you can argue with me one star means it's just that bad of a movie that it's not even worth your time and I feel bad for you if you went to the movie theater and spent anywhere between 12 and 20 dollars depending upon what region of the of the country you live in and paid to see this pile of shit it was so disrespectful to all the characters and it it's even you know what it's even disrespectful to the Marvel series, because you think with all the Marvel movies that came out from the Iron Mans to the Thors to the Guardians of the Galaxies, and all the supporting characters, you think they would take a few lessons from the Marvels and make at least a seventy, at least achieve seventy five percent of that success, because let's face it, Superman and Batman are household names, and you ruin it. You completely botch it like that. I mean, you have all the you had these all these good plot lines building up from Man of Steel, Wonder Woman, Batman versus Superman, and then you take a three hundred million dollar production budget and you crash land like you did with the Justice League. You've killed the franchise. You've Pirates of the Caribbean the franchise. And but the thing is, is we're left with so many questions because. We don't exactly know who fucked up the series. Was it Zack Snyder? Was it Joss Whedon? Was it something else? Where did the hand, what happened? Where did everything go wrong? Was it during the handoff? Was it in the writing room? Who screwed it up? Because DC is not owned by Disney. Okay, Marvel's owned by Disney. And we already know what Disney did to, to, to uh, Star Wars. But they didn't do it to the Marvel movies because the Russo brothers are in charge of the Infinity War. So, what the fuck happened? So, Justice League, to round out uh, Logan's Run, three stars. Ready Player One, three, three out of five stars. Shape of Water, three out of five stars. All recommended movies, all different movies. Go ahead and check those out. Justice League, don't even waste your time at all. And I, I feel so bad for all the actors and actresses, all the production staff and all the actual original directors who had to put their name on this pile of shit. That being said, I've made it through over an hour. My hiccups have gone away. Uh, I've gotten through pretty much everything on here. I stumbled out of the gate with the gap, airport drone stuff. I feel exhausted. I was going to talk about oral hygiene, but maybe we can talk about that another time. If you guys want to remind me, you can hit me up on Twitter. You can hit me up on all social media. You can remind me about some of the stuff. I keep these notes. All these notes I keep. I was going to talk about my Twitter ban, but we'll talk about that another day. I guess we'll close up shop with the fact that Justice League was a giant pile of shit, and that's the end of that, and that my hiccups have gone away. But I appreciate you guys commenting and everything like that. I uh, appreciate you guys. If, you're, if you are watching or whatever on, on Twitch, subscribe. Send me questions and quest- whatever comments. Anybody who's watching or has checked, thank you to everybody who checked in and out for a few minutes on Twitch. Find me on social media. Instagram, at positive underscore sarcasm. Facebook.com slash positive sarcasm. Twitter, at POS sarcasm. Find me on all those things. YouTube, positive sarcasm. I got a 100 episodes on there. Don't go too far back. They really they start getting bad. The good ones generally have a lot of views for the most part. Um, You can ask me. I'll tell you which which ones to watch. Subscribe to the podcast. It's on iTunes. It's on Stitcher. It's on Google Play. It's on Podcast Addict. It's on all the major ones. So go right through it. Okay. This thing, you know, I'm putting it all together. I build it up myself. I'm doing everything myself. But it feels good, you know, kind of it's funny i started this whole thing i was hiccuping i felt like i was gonna puke through in the first 10 minutes of the episode and then i once i got to that gatwick drone article i eventually got through it finished it all up and kind of got into a rhythm here you know i didn't quit i got through it and I, i feel good about it but i got my hour in we're good i appreciate you guys uh you know liking subscribing sharing uh what about q a well um q a well, Rocco, if you want to ask me some questions, you're more than welcome to. But I'm gonna close up. I'm gonna close up shop. I'll give you one question. I'll give you one question. You let me know what you think, and then we you can line me up the questions, or you can hit me up on Instagram too. So if you have a question, I'll give you like a second. Maybe I can milk this for a little bit longer. But think about a really good question, and then if you have more friends with more questions, have them come on the the live stream. Maybe we can put together a Q and A live stream on YouTube, or we can put together a Q and A on um. On, uh, on Instagram or wherever you think is best. So your question is what's with the glasses? Well, it's funny you mention that. Okay, so um, I'm a big fan of Casey Neistat. So we'll start with that. So the glasses are, I, in the, my very first YouTube episode, I have sunglasses. I don't wear them like Casey does though. The reason I wear sunglasses in my, in my episodes is because I, my eyes are always darting all over the place. I'm always looking at something else, but at least while you're wearing sunglasses, it looks like you're actually looking at the camera. Okay. But the reason I have sunglasses here is because I have one, two, three, four or five pairs of sunglasses. So I have one pair in my convertible. I have one pair in my gym bag. I have one pair on the reminder board and then I have two pairs on each microphone. So on the microphone that the, the the live stream is coming from, right underneath the live stream, there is a pair of sunglasses on the mic. And then on this one, there is a pair of Aperols, which is an alcohol, I think, right on this one. So I put them on here for decorative purposes. I don't know what you think of that, but they're on there. Um, I can't wear them i mean they're they're a little small but they definitely have that that ray-ban type of look to them um but they're just on there for random decoration uh just to give you know a little color but that's my studio you basically walk into this little this little studio room there's it's it's a dual channel microphone setup so when you walk in and sit down you have the guest sits in a recliner i sit on this on this velvety sofa futon thing and i run the whole podcast from here um i hope i've been talking into the mic the whole time so that's how i have it set up and then and then of course the mic you know the sunglasses are just part of the thing um but i'm gonna run i mean if you have one more question i'll totally entertain the one more question but like i said if you want to hit me up on Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm, Facebook.com slash positive sarcasm, YouTube positive sarcasm, Twitter at POS sarcasm. I'm back on there completely. I have all access to everything. If you want to donate to the podcast, donate to the whole universe. Cause this shit, I got to run it all myself. I pay for it all myself. You go to positive sarcasm.com slash donate, or just go to positive sarcasm.com and click the donate button. It's right. You know, it's right up on the top. Any amount is super appreciated. I really, really, I mean that completely. Okay. So, uh, and then if you ever if if you want to be a guest of the podcast, you have questions, concerns, I love to click, I love to you know ask, answer, commentate, give my opinion, thoughts on whatever. Um just here for you guys. Posing music, you can always hit me up with that. Uh but yeah, totally subscribe to all my stuff. It makes it easier for me to cuz this is this is my hour to vent and get everything off my chest and learn how to talk again. For, for the most part, I'm pretty much like a I'm like a mute. I'm like a fucking hermit. Uh, next question is about your routine, but that'll take longer. I'll hit you up on Instagram. You hit me up on Instagram, Rocco Onesies, whatever that name is. Um, you hit me up on Instagram about that routine. We can talk about that. Uh, I'm going to close up shop here. I appreciate you guys twitching me, streaming me, asking me questions, all that other jazz. Rocco, you hit me up on Instagram, at positive underscore sarcasm. You can Twitter, donate, jazz, YouTube, coffee. If you have thoughts on coffee, hit me up on coffee. I love coffee. I can recommend blends and brands to you as well, especially how to make it and how to serve it. I appreciate you guys listening, subscribing, dropping in, asking questions, hitting me up on all social media, and donating. But for the end of the day, I'm going to close up all my computers. I got a shit ton to fix. I will talk to you guys soon. This has been a positive sarcasm presentation.